Welcome to Radio Veritas, the Catholic radio station at seven minutes past four. On this afternoon, thank God, it's rather cool. There's a drop of rain and you are welcome to join us as we share a little bit on our faith. You will not, of course, be surprised at some of the items one will cover in this program, given the excitement we've had in our country over the last few days and indeed over the last months and years with the change of government and the swearing in of our new president, whom we welcome, Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, It's a joy and a hope when uh, somebody new comes in and we want to get behind him and see that our country is assisted in every way. Uh, We'll be speaking a little bit about some of the reactions uh, to the resignation of President, the ex-President Zuma. Uh, We will be uh, talking to Father, or or rather Mike Pottier, who is at the Parliamentary Office of the Catholic Church in Cape Town and observes political issues very closely. Uh, He will help us to draw some lessons from what has happened over the last while. Um, It is true that the um, Catholic bishops, uh, we issued a statement uh, last night, this morning, as did the uh, Jesuit Institute. I'm referring now to the uh, bishop's statement, which is quite succinct. And uh, it simply says that we welcome the resignation of President Jacob Zuma and felt it had to happen, even though President Zuma himself seems to not know the reasons, which is amazing. Um, So, uh, you know, we felt that over the last while under the presidency of uh, Mr. Zuma, you know, things had deteriorated uh, quite rapidly, not only the economy, but the narrative and discourse in Parliament and elsewhere. We became a very inward-looking country, inward in the sense of uh, delving into party political issues rather than dealing with the tremendous uh, challenges facing our country, huge unemployment, poverty, uh, land issues, mining issues, economic issues of every kind. And uh, really and truly, we need to get out of this mire of uh, introspection and get down to work together. And we appeal and pray that in our parliament, uh, starting from now, uh, people will come together and make plans and some fine leaders will emerge who will help our country and gain confidence in investments and in the opinion of the world. Uh, we urged the we urged the governing ANC. That now this is the Catholic bishop speaking. We urged the governing ANC to take careful note of the way in which it allowed this situation to develop over the last 10 years and to commit itself to a thorough reassessment of its internal standards and mechanisms of accountability. You know, uh, I don't know how many times President Zuma uh, appealed to the nation, to his party even, that he has not been given a reason why he should resign. So that a man who has uh, the country uh, is not aware of the situation in the country, the discontent in the country, the motions of no confidence, etc., etc., that have gone on, the statistics, economic 
economic statistics, you know, the pessimism that has come down on the country over the last uh, while uh, to say that he doesn't know reasons uh, is either a sign that his party is not communicating with him or that he is not attending parliament or is not listening to his people. Again, the bishop says, uh, uh, we say, in this centenary year of Nelson Mandela's birth, we hope and pray for a return to the ideals of servant leadership with which South Africa was blessed in the first years of its democracy. And now this week, as we enter Lent, Christians throughout the world begin the holy season of Lent, a time of commitment to new beginnings, of casting off the selfishness and sinfulness that affects all people. We pray that in the coming weeks, just as we make our spiritual journey towards the renewal and hope of Easter, our country will begin its own political journey to a future of renewed hope and commitment to the ideals of our Constitution. And then in that spirit, we pledge our prayerful support to the incoming administration and to all who hold public office in our country that they may carry out their duties diligently, honestly and with integrity. Now that is the bishop's uh, statement and uh, uh, our prayer for the future of our country. Now uh, I will speak later at, after five o'clock with Mike Pottier because he is an analyst of the political and economic situation in our country, quite a specialist, and he he says we have some lessons to learn when we reflect on what has been happening and happened especially over the last 24 hours so we'll come back to that later uh, uh, one or two other points um, this coming Sunday at the cathedral in at 2 o'clock in the afternoon will be the election not of a new member of parliament but of the election of those catechumens who will be enrolled uh, for baptism this uh, uh, Easter tide. So uh, at two o'clock uh, at the cathedral in Pretoria, I'm speaking for the Archdiocese of Pretoria only, all the other dioceses have their own arrangements too. It's the same all over the country, indeed all over the world. Uh, many people have made a journey now towards Christ, towards the church. They have been accompanied. Uh, they have been desiring to know the Lord. They have been studying his word. They have been taught to pray. They have gradually been um, made welcome and feeling uh, felt that they belong to our community. And so now they say, please uh, baptize us. Baptize us, ask the Holy Spirit to come down as Jesus sent the church out to do in Matthew chapter 28. So uh, this Sunday at two o'clock there will be mass in the cathedral. I'll be leading it myself in Pretoria and we will have that beautiful service. I'll speak a little bit about it later on. Um, also, we have the mandate uh, for that northern uh, deanery at Stingfather, St. Dominic's there, on this Saturday in the afternoon as well, at 2 o'clock Saturday. Uh, the mandate Sunday, the uh, uh, right of election uh, at the cathedral on the 18th. Uh, we had a most wonderful experience, and really and truly, I thank the people of the Northwestern Deanery, the people of uh, Soshanguve, the people of St. Charles Luanga, and the family of uh, the Matlala family, and of course their son Peto, who was ordained a priest at 
the uh, at the hall beside TUT on on Saturday. They, of course, really and truly will have to look at football stadiums. If we look at the crowd that attended this ordination, it was a huge crowd. I thank the people for the support and their love for their priests and their prayers. Peter was extremely happy himself, and we welcome him as a new priest for our diocese, coming from the parish and the family uh, in Sosanguve. Uh, the singing was absolutely of a superb standard, and we thank everybody involved in all the work that went into making this such a beautiful day. Catering of all kinds, serving, as I say, choirs, a liturgy has been prepared and printed, uh, MCs and all the priests, about 70 priests who attended, and then thousands and thousands of people who crowded inside and outside the hall for the ceremony. So it's a joy to have two young priests, uh, Fani and uh, Peto, uh, this year in our archdiocese. On Sunday evening, uh, on Sunday morning, I went way out to Faf. Fung, that beautiful church so far out from the city, out to the north uh, of the city, northwest of the city, Fafung, in the parish of Jericho. And there I celebrated uh, the sacrament of confirmation for some very fine young people and a great number of them, the majority young men who are being confirmed. So uh, that was a beautiful uh, day, but I came back that evening then and Father Manuel, who is the uh, Acts and University Chaplain uh, here at the University of Pretoria, had um, brought both the academic community and the students who are just beginning now a new academic year for the academic mass uh, uh, at the cathedral, uh, no, sorry, at the university itself, uh, Sunday evening. And again, it was another uh, beautiful celebration and congratulations to everybody. We were honoured by the presence of many of the faculty, professors and lecturers, and the vice-chancellor herself was present, supporting her students, praying for them, and we all pray for a prayerful and peaceful year. Um, so now, last, uh, yesterday, you were all, I'm sure, marked with the ashes, uh, uh, which means that you were all uh, uh, beginning your uh, this, this, uh, beginning Lent. So uh, now I hope that you get the envelopes this weekend. Remember, we'll be speaking about that during this program. What does Lent mean to us? And uh, uh, so these are some of the events that have taken place that are taking place. So before then, speaking a, a little bit first about Lent itself, uh, which I'm sure you all know about, but which is good to remind ourselves about. Let us listen now to our first piece of music, uh, which indeed invites us to survey the wondrous cross. 21 minutes past four in the afternoon, this lovely, calm, cool afternoon, a uh, historic day in which we have huge political changes in our country. I greet you and welcome you to Changing Gear here on the Catholic radio station, Radio Veritas. Archbishop William Slattery speaking with you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, of course, yes, one has to say something about Lent. Uh, yesterday, Ash Wednesday, I'm sure so many of you, uh, so faithful people, uh, went to your churches and there attended Mass. 
and were reminded by the priest or deacon, you know, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Or alternatively, he could have said, uh, repent and believe the good news or some form of those words which come from the gospel themselves. Now, Lent, yes, of course, we know about it. And what is its history? How did we come to such a thing as Lent? I mean, we don't find the word itself in Scripture, Lent, although we do find Jesus at the beginning of his apostolic ministry spending 40 days praying in the desert, getting you know, as it were, close, intimate with his father, rejecting Satan and beginning his mission in the world. Now, how did Lent then arise in the church? Well, it arises as a response to the goodness of God, to the call of God, and also to the awareness of sin, which is in all our hearts, the need to revive, to start again, and to come back to the Lord. We all need to go to the desert, as it were. We need to find a quiet place to sit down for a moment and think uh, about uh, that road upon which we are traveling, its direction and its focus. So I suppose Lent grew gradually, but in the very early church, it's with us really going right back to the beginnings of our Catholic and Christian Church 2,000 years ago. You know, uh, it's clear, you know, from the practice of the church in Jerusalem, I suppose the first Christian community with Antioch and Rome and so on, we find there that the first Christian communities in the first, second century already organized themselves around the great Christian feast of the year, which is Easter. Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. Easter is the great glorious feast of the Christian church. And Christians made it very special and very particular. And they knew that to really appreciate a great feast, you need to prepare for it, not only materially and physically, but very definitely spiritually. So it grew out of then this response of the early Christian community to the marvels that had taken place in Golgotha on an Easter Sunday morning. So they began to organize around that great feast of Easter. Uh, they saw it as a, a the, the dying and rising of Jesus. They saw it as a new exodus. You know, the second book of the Bible is the exodus. And it is the leaving, if you like, uh, of Egypt. Uh, the liberation of the people, the formation of a new family of God following Moses out of Egypt. And the, uh, the Christian people saw the death of Jesus, the dying and rising of Jesus, you know, as taking us not only beyond the desert, not only beyond the Red Sea or the mountains or Mount Sinai, not only taking us um, beyond, you know, the labors of that desert, but taking us beyond death itself and leading us into a new life now, a new way of living with each other, a new way of respecting each other, a new way of relating with God. So by the, li the life and death of Jesus, you know, he gives us, as it were, the clothes of immortality. That is, that we shall never die. He gives us the uniform that in death we shall be with God because we are 
are baptized by the grace of God. We are liberated. We are saved by God himself. So it's not only an exodus from Egypt and slavery. It's also an exodus from sin and from an old way of life to put on uh, the grace and life, the new life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Also, Lent was given more uh, emphasis because it was a time of preparation for the catechumens, the learners, those who wanted to come to the church. The church grew fast, but at the same time, gradually over three, four, five hundred years, it's still growing today. And, uh, you know, in the time of the apostles, the time of Jesus himself, in ancient society, it was, in general, a rather cruel and violent society. Children were easily abandoned. There was huge cruelty. A man had total control over his wife and children. He could even kill them. This was the society which uh, people found themselves. And when these small groups of Christians began to rise up in the village, Villages and towns and along the roads of the ancient world, they saw people who loved each other, people who liked to come together in meeting and rejoice and sing and pray, uh, people who shared and spoke of their wonderful Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, they saw special ceremonies, they saw care for the poor, care for slaves, care for the needy. Some of the earliest popes bishops of Rome were indeed former slaves. So everybody was, accept, was received as brothers and sisters. This was a revelation to the pagans. And so many of them then began to prepare to be received and to, uh, to be baptized. So this, uh, and so the time of Lent coming up to Easter, Easter was around the time of the, in which adult baptisms took place. And so this time of Lent now, this new dimension uh, from the very beginning, you could almost say, uh, is now emphasized that the, it's not only uh, for all the Christian people themselves to make the journey back to Christ, but it's also a very special time to prepare catechumens for baptism. So this is how Lent grew. Uh, so it is it involved uh, preparation for the sacraments. Uh, it became, I suppose, fixed on 40 days. At first it was three days, then seven days, then 40 days because of the impact of Jesus' own 40 days in the desert. And the preparation for Easter was seen as going to be with the Lord, to fight, to reject Satan, to leave our evil, the, the, the evil desires of our hearts behind. Um, also, the people felt a need for renewal, repentance and recommitment to Christ. It was also a time during Lent when penitents were received back into the church. You know, in the very early church, um, uh, when there was great scandal given by an individual Christian, that Christian was excommunicated, was forbidden to join the community. This was in very rare situations, but for very clear, clear-cut situations. It was not for private or hidden sins or secret sins so much. It was uh, people who were condemned for public sins. The scandal, which uh, a scandal, for example, which put the whole church in a very bad light. You know, for example, people who broke up families. 
people who renounced and denied the faith and denied Christ, people who were guilty of sins or crimes like murder, these uh, were uh, punished by the early church as living totally outside the new life that one has received in baptism. These were regarded, these were public sins, everyone knew them, and so uh, it wasn't revealing something uh, secret. They were then excommunicated from participating in the Christian life of the community. And so they often just had to come and stand outside the church door for months and even years at a time doing public penances. Um, they had done great uh, damage to the whole community. Now they wanted to be uh, readmitted to the community. And during this time of Lent was the time in which they particularly did their penance and were readmitted and re-received into the church. So Lent now therefore grew gradually over history, liturgically also. It's a special time of the year. The way we pray, the way we come together in church has special elements which emphasizes that it is a time of penance, a time of returning to God, a time of confession, a time of joy and of encountering uh, the spirit and grace of God. For example, in the liturgy you will notice we don't sing the Alleluia at Mass, we don't sing a Gloria. We do not sing a Gloria. The priest uh, is wearing a violet or a purple, a garment which indicates some kind of reserve, solemnity, and even penance. Uh, special hymns are chosen, you know, hymns suitable uh, to the theme of Lent, of repentance and, recover, and re, recover, returning to Christ. Uh, we cover often many churches, well, in the past we did it all over the place. We covered with a cloth, you know, the statues, the pictures in our church, even the crucifixes, they were covered with purple cloths to say, to remind us that we were uh, to be solemn, we were in mourning, we were uh, taking our spiritual life seriously. And of course, Ash Wednesday, uh, which began the time of Lent, emphasized our fragility, you know, our sinfulness. Uh, remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But overall, it was a time in which the Lord invited us to come back to him. A, th a, a, a lesson that um, would have some meaning for us here is from Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 10 or so, uh, at the potter's house. In other words, it's a time in which God sets out to reconstruct us, to revive us, to renew us, to embrace us once more, to pour his grace into our hearts once more. It's a time really for joy, a quiet joy that can only be appreciated when there's a certain amount of silence, reflection, a certain love for God and a longing to belong to God when that's present in our hearts. So uh, Jeremiah 18, I'm reading it here now. Um, uh, Jeremiah 18, verse 1, uh, Jeremiah writes, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. The potter, the man making, you know, the clay dishes and pots and, and so on. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I, Jeremiah, went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay 
was marred, was not coming out right in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. So the image then is a potter shaping a pot. Uh, at first, it's not coming out right. It's not getting the right shape. Uh, it, the clay is still wet. And so the potter starts the process again until he gets the pot correct and right. And then the word of the Lord came to me. I'm continuing to read verse 5, uh, chapter 18, Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announced that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, if it repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. So the image then used by Jeremiah, which is a beautiful image, is um, just like a potter, uh, when things aren't turning out well in the pot or the dish he is making, he restarts and formulates it and forms it correctly. And so God wishes to do the same with us, individually and community. He wants to start again and this time uh, try and help us to get it right. Um, uh, so this is uh, the theme of Lent. We will develop it a little more in a minute. So now let's listen to the next um, song, which is from Juanina, Wamsindisi, the youth. Wo ngosizi luak Jesus. Yes. 